Live, brought to you exclusively by Abu Garcia. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hope you're having a wonderful day, night, afternoon, evening, wherever you're at. Uh, hope everything's good. First things first, thank you guys for all the amazing comments. Uh, keep them coming. If you have any questions or ideas for guests, please send them through. Uh, we're definitely taking a look at all those comments. Also, thank you for all the positive uh, uh, response for this new part of the show. Ike Live uh, on a little more 101 kind of thing, this 2.0 format. So uh, appreciate all the kind words. It's been really fun. It's been a nice change of pace from the uh, frat fraternity feel of the old show to this. It's been really nice. Uh, we've got a good one for you in just a minute here. Uh, my good friend Ish Monroe joining us. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but we're going to start with his uh, finish in Okeechobee just uh, a couple weeks ago. Really good start to the season, but can't wait to have Ish on. Let me remind everybody, if you heard that intro, shout out to Abu Garcia, now sponsoring the podcast. Been with Abu forever. Uh, go to abugarcia.com. Check out what they got going on. Brand new Ike series launching. ICAST this year. I know you're excited about it. I am too. Also, uh, Ike Foundation, uh, we just had our scholarship banquet a few uh, weeks ago, raised a ton of money for kids' scholarships and kids' fishing. And I appreciate all the support from everyone that came out or sponsored the event or donated or went into a raffle or all that stuff. It all helps, and, and I definitely appreciate that. Also, if you've got uh, kids that want to go fishing, head on over to ikefoundation.org. Anywhere you're listening to this, nationally, uh, if you're in Hawaii, if you're in California, New Jersey, anywhere in between, go over there. We've got a way to help get kids fishing to help you out. So ikefoundation.org, check them out. It's going to be good. All right. I want to get them on right now. Um, I'm all messed up on time here because I got East Coast, West Coast time. I don't know. We got we got I think it's six something over there. Let's find out. Join us now on Ike Live, Ish Monroe. Yo, Ish. What's up? First, what is three hour? Three hours, yes. right? All right, so six, you're like 6.05. All right, so you're like dinner time, and I'm like bedtime. For a 51-year-old, yeah. 9 p.m. is bedtime. <laughs> is that That's embarrassing? Classic. Is that embarrassing? That embarrassing. Here, here's what's embarrassing about it, because we've known each other for really long, really, 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 really long time, and I can remember the, the nights of being young, <laughs> And especially yes. the nights of being young and single. And there were no nine o'clock. Like nine o'clock is when you like started getting ready to get go. ready. You got ready. Yes. Yeah. And now, now this. You know? <laughs> yep. Bed by, bed by nine. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> bed by nine. Uh, let's, I, I want to start and mentioned it right before you came on. Um, good start this year ish i know i know we talked about this on the phone after you're finished but i wanted to mention it again dude good start uh good momentum yes are, are you happy with that finish i i looked at it I, and I, it, it was know, a good going finish. in yeah going into the event i once again I, I was on what i call survival mode i didn't feel really good about the way lake okeechobee was fishing because we literally had five spots that I would consider what I would call four to five acres of fishable water. And there was, once again, five of those. And so you had 225 boats, not including all the local pressure and the guides. Right. Crammed into these five areas. And so, and, and me, you know me, I hate fishing in crowds. Yeah. And I so, do. but I do you too. will be, but you will be proud of me. Day two, for the first time in history, I broke out a spinning rod. What? Yes. Holy smokes. Elizabeth, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually caught a limit wow. in about 30 minutes on a spinning rod. Wow. That's incredible. But that was after I but that was after I had a 10-pounder in the boat too that I did not catch on a spinning rod. Wow. 10-pounder floating around, but Pulled the spinning rod out to stay competitive and to get your limit and all that stuff. 
Well, it's, it's a different focus. You know, I, I, I have a couple of guys, Clark Ream and Andrew Upshaw, that, you know, we are kind of working together a little bit on this deal and talking back and forth. And, you know, it's funny, me and Andrew actually ended up in the same area, you know, kind of like us, you know, me and you, we never talked about actual areas. We talked about patterns yeah. and if we happen to end up in the same area, it was okay because it wasn't like, oh, well, he found this spot or nothing else going. It was right. okay. We shared this pattern. We ended up on the same area. So Andrew was actually catching them on a chatter bait with a smaller trailer. He's like, dude, this smaller trailer, smaller trailer, smaller trailer, put on a smaller trailer, start catching fish. You know, then he comes back and I'm like, dude, Cinco, Cinco. He breaks out the Cinco. It's just, it, it's one of those things where you got to have a couple guys that you work really close to that won't lie to you and you won't lie to them. And, and it works out good for everybody. You know, Clark had a good finish as well. He actually started out in a spot that me and him kind of were the only two guys I know to ever fish that area. And I went in there and practice, didn't really like what I saw. He went in there on the basis of just getting his tournament started and had some good fish out of there. So he did great too. Right. But it, it's just one of those things I will take, you know, top 30 finishes. And if you, the average last year was 57th place. If you finish 57th place or higher in every single event on the Elite Series or on the, on the Bass Opens, you qualified for the Elite Series. Wow. And that's the goal. And that's yep. the goal. Yep. Consistency. Not Don't Consistency. have a bad one. Nine events long. It's a, it's a marathon. Right. It's, not, it's not a short race. It's a marathon. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and And like I said, I think it was a great finish for you. Even with the spinning yeah. rod, man, I think it was a great, yeah. it was a great finish. Let, let me ask you this. I, I wanted to get into this. I had Scott Martin on and, and of course, Scott had a great tournament, caught some big bags, but even Scott said, he, he said to me, he was like, man, this lake is, it's messed up right now. It's, he said it was messed up. Right. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that because. Com compare Okeechobee now, present day Okeechobee, to when you won years back. Compare, are they even comparable? Okay. They're not. They're not even close. So when I won in 2012, there was miles of water to fish. The whole shoal had bass on it. This year on the shoal, there was one dirty water spot that had some fish on it. One clean water spot that did not have any fish on it and the rest of the shoal was done and when i say spot we're talking about a 200 acre i mean 200 yard span stretch i would say 200 yards by 150 yards of dirty water but the fish were there and then the other spot was about a 100 yard stretch by 25 yards that was clean but there were no bass there on the whole shoal that's crazy. And, and so it was just it was just one of those events where it was just it was tough. And I chose for actually that place up there on the shoal where I didn't feel like there was going to be, you know, they said where um, Scott was fishing. People counted 70 plus boats <laughs> within within basically a cast of each other. I'm not doing that. So I had Andrew and a couple other guys in my area and we just kind of milled around and milked it for all it was worth. And, you know, me and one or two other guys ended up faring, faring pretty well there. And it was just, like I said, I was in survival mode and I survived and I'm happy to survive. And like I said, the first tournament, you could lose it in the first tournament. You can't win it in the first tournament, but you can lose it in the first tournament. Yeah. I definitely didn't lose it. I set myself up to just be consistent the rest of the year. Yeah, good finish. Good finish. And it just blows me away hearing that from you, hearing it from Scott, seeing the social post. Like, when I close my eyes and want to think about Okeechobee, I like the Okeechobee when you won. When yes, the Bass Factory. And, the Bass right, Factory. When Randall Tharp won in Monkey Box, when JT Kenny yeah. won like flipping and like on oh, yeah. giant bass and big rods and braid. Like that's the Okeechobee I want. I don't but want, there the was a lot rod. of giant bass. There was a lot of giant there bass, call, but you bass. saw, yeah. but you did see Scott, Scott broke out a spinning rod and caught some big ones on a spinning rod. I caught him on the spinning rod. I mean, there was a lot of fish and a lot of guys out there 
throwing spinning rods. And, you know, that place, basically Harney Pond, yeah. right outside the canal, usually it has a bunch of reeds and grass. There's not a blade of grass in there at all. That's exciting. South Bay is no longer South Bay. It's open bay. Crazy. Yeah. Lack, of, lack of vegetation. Gone. Lack of vegetation. It's, it's gone. It's the, between the spring and the combination of all the stuff coming out of the farms up there. The lake is, I think the lake's in danger. You're going from a top 10 fishery in the country to a maybe make a top 100 fishery after the next few years because a lot of those fish are going to get caught. A lot of those fish are going to die and they're just not going to be, you know, the lake that it was because of the lack of grass and reeds and everything else. Yeah. That's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, hate hate to see that when a world class fishery starts to head down the other way. Me too. Uh, e either way, though, great finish ish. A lot of yep. good momentum. Um, and and it's here's the interesting thing. If if uh, if you're watching or listening to this right now, you saw the list of EQ guys this year. Guys fishing. Yes, dude. It's stout. Like stout, stout. Not just not just the young guys ish, but like. The veterans, like the names coming back, like remember, remember when everybody was like trying to get you know the top guys from FLW and the top guys from Bass together and fish kind of against each other to see how they're fair. That's what the new EQs are. You've right. got you know you've got the Mike Sermons of the world, you know the Brandon McMillans, you know guys who have won tournaments and and, and done really well in the FLW tour, and then you've got elite past elite series guys, you know, you got yeah. the Mike McClellans and, you know, uh, gosh, there's, there's B height. There's man, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Cliff on. Pace, yeah. classic champion, Cliff Pace, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Russ, Russ, Russ Lane, Mike McClellan. Gosh, Randall Tharp. Oh, just the list goes on. <laughs> I mean, goes on it's 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 crazy i i looked at that list and i was i was sort of blown away by the vastness of the names yes. on that list now i'm going to ask something and i know the answer to it but i i i, I want to ask this uh, now that you're going on second year you're you're going on your second season fishing the eqs and fishing bass are, are you glad you went are you you went back to bass are you glad you're fishing yes. back at bass versus mlf yes. you talk about that what why so so you know this is one thing so we show up at our briefing uh our meeting and it's the only meeting we're going to have this year but you you come and you check in you see the camaraderie you see the faces that you know from bass and the ones you don't know but everybody has a smile on their face and everybody's yeah. happy and they're happy to be there. And, you know, other places they're, they're not so happy. They're angry. Right. And, you know, I, I remember my last year on tour, I, I didn't even show up to a single meeting all year long because yeah. I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to be angry before the first tournament. And now everybody's there, they're shaking hands and they're hugging each other. And it's just like the, the group of guys that, you know, it's like Boy Scout camp all over again. Yeah, I, I agree. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I've had my last two years back the elites, I've had a bad season and a very mediocre season. And even though I'm not fishing good, dude, I still feel – I great. feel great. Yeah, I feel mm -hmm. great. There's not like this cloud of uh, – Gloom. Yeah, like I had this cloud over me uh, on the yeah. other tour where I, I was just I like – depressed sort of like yes. sad like depressed yes. i can't really explain it but uh yes i agree with you 100 yeah. not and not to, you know not to take away the other reasons too like dude i'm a numbers guy you you know that like dude i yeah. i'm a i'm a one one to two pounder i could one to two pound them to death the numbers format fits me better but ish i missed sticking them in the well i'm being honest I, with you and, me and too. i know there's 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 conservation guys listening to this right now that are probably probably pissed right. or whatever. But dude, I missed well putting them in the well. I missed holding them up. I missed swinging them in the boat, letting them flop hey. on the carpet. I missed hey. that. You hey. know? 
when you bring a 10 pounder to the scale and the oohs and ahs and o's you can't replace that even if you yeah. caught one on television people are like oh cool i watched you catch that one but when you bring it into the scales and everybody's like oh my god and they're, yeah. they're all freaked out I'm like can i see that thing and pictures and over and over again so many photos of that fish it, 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 there, there's nothing to replace that feeling yeah, and so I, I'm I'm glad to be fishing for five again. I really like the format. I get to fish the way I want to fish. I can go pick up the big rod all day long if I want to, um, but I also know once again what it's going to take to qualify, and it is going to take a spinning rod a lot this year to qualify. I mean, especially when we head up north and you get to you get to fish St. Clair. You know, you know how that goes. You better have a freaking spinning rod in your hand. You can catch some cranking, but 225 guys, a lot of that stuff's gonna go away. And yeah. by learning the live scope, I spent the time at, with Active Target 2, just like you have from Lawrence, you know, spending the time out there on the water using it. And I love using it now. And I, I have, you know, I, I'm on now I'm on the side of these guys need to stop. They do, They really honestly need to stop. You know me. If if I had my choice, would I would I fish without you know active target? Probably not. I would have said before, but now it's a very important tool, and it's helped me to identify how fish are actually biting and how they're relating to structure. Versus right. everybody goes, oh, it's the end all. If you look at it, the same guys that are using Scott Martin would have probably won that tournament with or without using active right. target. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. And I'm so, right. I'm so sick of talking about it, but right. I agree with what you're saying, which is don't fight it. It's a technology change, accept it. Yeah. And then integrate it into the way that you fish. Right. I, it'll I help you. It'll I, help you catch more fish. Right. It will help you catch, and that's what we love about fishing is we're always looking for that next big thing that's going to help you catch more fish, and that's what Active Target is. I agree, I agree a hundred percent. I want to ask you this one, and I've I, I'm asking you this. This is a little selfish uh, motivation on, on why I want to ask you this, and it's because I've been asked this question myself, and and I was I would I would give an honest answer. And, you know, basically, yes, 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 I would. (laughs) Yes, the answer is yes. And would I would I do it all over again? No, that I I would never left. I would have never left Bass. I know. Well, here's here's the exact question. That is the question. It's funny. You knew the question. But there's a more exact question. And the question is, when did you know that MLF was sort of going in the wrong direction? Like, do you do you have a moment in your mind that you can remember and said this is the moment I knew stuff was gone bad? Like, is there well, one moment, or was it just a well, gradual? Are, are we are we running the bus, the train, or what? I mean, because I could throw a whole lot of people underneath the bus, and, and, no, no, and I don't want to do that. Well, I I, hey, you know me. I don't care, but I just want to make sure that you're okay. If you yeah. got security, you got security because it's the truth. The yeah. moment, and I'm, I, I have to put this out there, is the moment when they got up there and asked about working the Bassmaster Classic, and those guys came out, and there was a bunch of guys that said, "I don't want to work the Classic," and I remember me and you looked at each other like. This is, this is the end. Like, dude, I, you, I remember it like it was yesterday. Ish, I, yeah. I literally, I think I was drinking something like a water. It wasn't a beer. I was drinking like a water <laughs> yeah. at the at the registration, like that. I was just drinking like that, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember Boyd getting up there, and I don't remember the exact words, but he was saying that you know we're going to conflict with the classic this year, and we don't want you guys to go to the classic this year because they're our competitor, right? And, and and I looked at you, and you looked at me, and I was like, Poof! like I almost choked. Right. right. No, it was it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and then and then it was to the point where they wanted to fine me for going to the classic and working, and I and I and I told them, I said, do you really really want that storm? Because I'll bring it. 
Because right. how bad is it that you guys talked about you're about the anglers and you're for the anglers, but yet one of, you know, it, it's funny because my sponsors truthfully would almost rather me work the classic than fish the classic. Right. If I'm going to fish the classic and win, then great. They want me to go fish. Right. But if I'm not going to win the classic, they want me there in the booth working because way more once valuable. Again, yeah, way, way more value. Yeah. You know, yeah. you get to interact with fans, which I love interacting with the fans, shaking hands and taking photos and talking to kids. Just like you, I I, I, I still tell people this story is I remember that classic where they were actually trying to usher you on and you told them no, because there was this line of kids that wanted your autograph and they were getting mad at you. And you're just like, I'm not leaving. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. And and, yeah. and, and, and that with you was so important to sign every single kid's autograph. And that, and that, you know, that meant a lot. And to me, I was like, that's super cool. And you just always think that, you know, where we came from in that urban growing up urban area to have fishing as a, our outlet to keep us away from a lot of stuff. We wanted those same kids to have that same opportunity. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd have to agree with you. That, that was probably my moment of clarity uh, you know that moment plus that whole year just things unfolding to right to, to me in my mind i'm like man this is not what i signed up for this is not right. the direction that i thought it was going so right you know regardless of whether you love mlf or hate mlf or somewhere in between or you don't care it it's a reality for some guys where they realize that I don't belong here and I got to go back. And, right. and so I, I think you're seeing that with some of the guys, including some, myself. A, a lot. A lot. You're, you're going to see, and, yeah. and you're going to see a lot more. I mean, the, the thing about the changes and everything that they're doing is, is one thing about bass. And, and, and this is what I've gotten to learn about Chase Anderson over the last year and a half is Chase puts a lot of thought process into something before he decides to do it. MLF, right. Fly by night, you know, oh, okay, well, we're going to do this. Oh, a day later, they didn't like it. We're going to change this. Chase looks at things and goes, okay, well, let's analyze this. Let's look at it. How's it going to benefit everybody? This is not one-sided for the organization. It's not one-sided for the anglers. It's going to, we're going to do this to benefit both sides. And he did right. that this year with the EQs. He increased the entry fee a little bit but also increased the payout by a lot. It added an angler of the year payout so that some of these guys who are great fishermen, who have an opportunity now to make some money to have to going into the elite series if they qualify. And, right. and, and that's the one thing that I'm seeing in the industry is a lot of these younger guys are coming in and they're struggling. You know, yeah. one, because they're not really sure about how to understand the business, but two, I don't see the work ethic that they have. Like you and I used to have, you know, when we first started of working every single boat show, going to tackle dealers on a regular basis. I mean, we, that, those are the important things that they need to do to understand why these companies will pay you. They're not paying you for your fishing ability. Fishing yeah. ability is your, basically your justification or why people need to buy products. Well, he catches fish on this. So I want to throw what he's throwing. But the sponsors are paying you to go work at these events and sell their product. And I just right. think a lot of the younger guys need to understand that. And I think it's if we can relate that more into the college fishing scene, a lot more of these younger generation guys who are great fishermen can come into this and have longevity. Yeah, that that's crazy to me because... It's funny. I'm glad you brought this topic up because honestly, Ash, I'll put you on the spot right now. You are like one it. of the hardest working dudes, pro anglers that I've I've known. And I'm not just saying that because I'm your friend. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate and I that. with you all those years. But dude, <laughs> you are. Dude, you work your ass off. Does it bother you that – and again, not naming any names. But does it bother you that there's these young anglers being very vocal – that they're disgruntled about the business side. They're mad that they're not getting sponsorships. They feel like they were lied to. 
Does that bother you or how do you feel it, about it, that? It, initially it did. And that's why I kind of wrote that piece for Bassmaster. Like the industry doesn't owe us nothing. And right. I've got part two of that coming out. It did because I reached out to some of those anglers and I, I tried to talk to them and give them an understanding of, you know, they believe the industry lied to them. The industry never lied to you. The industry did not tell you everything you needed to know, but from a business perspective, you have to understand sales creates money, right? The more product that you sell, the more money that there is available and the more money that there is available, the more money you can get. And, right. and I'm a, I'm a believer of, I, I call it the 10%. So if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars from a company, you need to be able to sell a million dollars worth of product that they weren't going to sell before that they right. weren't going to sell on their own. You're going to create, you know, I talk about this with, you know, why I've been with Yamaha for so long and Skeeter, you know, back with them again is because we have dealerships that we can make connections and selling and moving product. And especially right now in these times when interest rates are higher and things are a little tough and people aren't spending the money during COVID, you could sell ice to an Eskimo during COVID. But now... You have tighten to up. work hard. You have to tighten up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you talk about nine or ten percent interest rates on a hundred thousand dollar bass boat, that's a fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollar a month payment yeah. that a guy has to make. Versus yeah. back in the day when we started, we're talking a three to four hundred dollar a month payment for your bass boat. Right. And because the rates were lower. And yeah. so now these kids have to understand that, oh, okay, I go out there, I catch them. That gives you credibility and justification. But I also got to go work with these sponsors when it comes time to the end of the year and you want to go be in a deer stand. But yet your boat dealerships calling you because they're doing a, a fall promo. You need to be at that promo and put yeah. the deer stand to the side. Yeah. You know, I have other distractions in my life that I love, which is my wife. I love being with my wife. I love being at home. And so, but she also understands that we've also got to work to continue our lifestyle and it is super important. And so you just have to make time for all of it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. I, I love that issue. I've never heard that 10% theory that you just gave. Like I never heard it yeah. said like that, but it makes so much sense when you break right. it down like that. Right. Like, right. you know, I, I think, uh, I think maybe a lot of the anglers don't realize that they can go out and hustle and work right. and sell that kind of money to get their 10% of that income. You and, know? and you got to think about it. Selling, selling, if you sell, you go to a boat dealership and you bring 10 guys in there to buy boats, that's a million dollars. Do you not think that they're going to give you a boat? the next year if you continue right. to do that because yeah. they don't want to lose you because they don't want you to sell some other brand right. you know right. when it when you know i go into talking with these companies they ask well what do you bring to the table and it's like okay well i work with fisherman's warehouse so we can get your product and i do videos for them so i'm going to sell your product that way oh well yamaha hey i work really close with CNC Marine. We have two boat dealerships, you know, um, I've worked with other dealers and, and brought in Yamaha and brought in Skeeter boats to those other dealerships to them. That's value. Right. You going out and catching fish yep. has no value, zero value because you, people see it and just go, Oh, okay. Well, you know, he's, he's only using that product cause he's paid to do that. But then when you were actually running the product, talking about the product, selling the product, and then you catch fish, it all works together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, to me, it just gets down to, you know, there's a lot of different angles you can take, but, but to me, it gets down to work ethic yes. and wanting to put in the work. And I think if you put in the work, I've seen it with you, then you get the reward. So if you're a yes. young guy, and you're you, young, but you still have to catch fish. You still have to catch fish. Catch fish right. I'm not taking, yeah, I'm not taking that yeah. half away, but the other half is, you got to be willing to work, put the work yes. in and it'll, it'll pay, pay off. A, a, uh, a company would rather you go out there and sell their product than to go catch fish. Right. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, 
we're I, I'm talking to you and you're younger than me, but we're both now two years, two years. That's couple not years. Right. two couple years. years, couple years. But we are old, the old guy. Actually, wait a minute. You'll be you'll be fifty two before I turn fifty. So, right. Always <laughs> <laughs> the older. But yeah. but for sure, we're we're more of the veterans now on tour. And when I look yes. back, it is such a different environment today, ish. You know, oh, than when we started. You know, when when you go back to when we were cutting our teeth in the mid nineties and you know, getting on tour in the late nineties, it's such a different environment. Um, you know, more leagues, right. You got three, yeah. three big pro tours. Now, uh, you've got, uh, the, the, the machine of social media, you've got the machine of digital content and you've got, uh, influencers, you've got YouTube personalities. You've got, it's such a different world. It is uh, knowing that, knowing that what, be, and be honest, what what do you think the state of the sport is today versus when when you and I were entering this thing? I, I guess I would take it as the seriousness of the industry. When we were started, it was business. It was seriousness. Right. Now it's kind of a joke because a guy goes to his farm pond and he catches five pounders out of his farm pond all day, and he looks like a hero on social media. But yet, you throw that guy into a tournament scenario, and he don't even catch a bass. No, you know, in, many, in most cases, I would say no. Right, yeah. and and, yeah. and I mean, there's a few, there's a few that have done well and stuff. I I'm really interested to see, you know, some of the guys that qualified from last year, see how they do, you know, against a different group of guys. Yeah, you know, um, I, it, I, I still don't. It's, it's interesting though, because I, I would just stop you for a second and jump back to it. But but why is that? Because it's like if I look at other professional sports, I don't really see that. Like I don't see. You know, somebody playing, uh, teaching baseball or, you know, or, or batting or pitching that, you know, is not a pro that's, you know what I mean? Like there's this. Yeah, no. And, and, and then what that, and what that is, is once again, there's parents money. A lot of these kids come up, you know, parents money. They've like, here, I'm going to buy you a boat. I'm going to buy you a truck and I'm going to buy you all the best gear and go fishing. And, and that kid has all the stuff in the world. And, and then you mix in, oh, well, I'll get you this guide or I'll get you this coach or I'll get you this teacher to help you, you know. And then obviously money stems money. So then that guy who knows his buddy who owns another business who's going to sponsor the kid, you know. And, and right. so it's so easy with a little bit of money you can – but when we started – you didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Rojas didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Skeet didn't grow up with a silver spoon. A lot of guys that I know, when we were getting started, we didn't have it, but we made it. And right. we then that was our work ethic that got us there and our fishing ability. You know, you uh, where are you at? Like five million, six million in winnings now? I, I don't know. Becky keeps those numbers hidden from me. So I don't know well, why because because she's still too busy spending it on Gucci. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> her and Ste her and Stella are at the Gucci shop, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That's but probably I, mean, true. I mean, I mean, I'm at three million in in my career in winnings. You know, Skeet's at close to five million. Rojas is at close to three million. Like we. You know, we grew up in a time and era that also when I first started, entry fees were nine thousand dollars for the top one fifties. Wow. And now we're talking fifty-eight thousand or fifty-three thousand wow. or whatever it is. Yeah, what uh, so uh yes, yes, they are. And I get that here's 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 what I don't get. I get that as time goes on you're going to have increased fees and things are right. going to be more expensive. That's, that's life. And you can look at that right. the history of time. Right. But why ish, why in today's world, 2024, our tournament winnings are down, but our entry fees are up. How's that possible? Because, because the anglers allow it. Because the anglers allow it. 
What because, needs to because change? what needs to change? What, needs to, what needs to change? What needs to change is there needs to be some justification for being a pro, a true professional. You know, right. you I know you've experienced just like I've experienced it, where you tell people what you do for a living, and it's like, oh well, I got a buddy who fishes for a living, and this and that, and you're just like, okay, what is his real job? Well, he's also an insurance salesman, and he's a contractor, and he's this and he's that, and and, and that's the difference, like. You and I, fishing is our business. Being on tour is our business. We don't go to a regular nine to five every single day. We get up in the morning, we're answering emails, answering phone calls, and we're looking at the next time we get to go fishing. Because the next time we get to go is probably a tournament or probably practice. Yep. 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 You know, I agree. I agree. Well, here's the thing. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that I think things will eventually get better. And, and I always, I always like maybe use this as a crutch. Maybe it, maybe it's not true, but I always say this, which is our sports relatively young. You know, I've been watching this like documentary on, uh, oh. you the, it's yes, great. The cat, the cast is awesome. Cast. I'm I've been watching, it. I've been making Vegas watch it because I want yeah. him to know the history of the sport. But you know, when I watch that, I'm like, man, our sports young, you know, it's like, we're from the basically from the mid seventies, and a lot of right. those other sports are old, old, old. So, you know, that gives me hope that things will come yes. back around, and I, and I think they will. I think they will. And 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 it's all and it's all relative to you know what all of a sudden how hard it is to actually make the elite series, how hard it is to technically be a true professional, and yeah. and I think we're slowly getting our way back to it. Um, just because you, you see what's going on now and, and all of a sudden it'll be back to, or well, oh, you're a professional. Well, do you fish the Bassmaster Elite Series? Well, no, I don't. Well, then you're not a professional because yeah. you're, because you, you're going to a regular job if you aren't a Elite Series guy. And that's what it used to be like. If you weren't right. fishing the top 150s, you were just a regular Joe Blow. There was very few guys out there if they weren't guiding that were fishing tournaments and being called true professionals. Right. Right. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. It's too, it's too blurred right now. It's too yes. spread out and it's too blurred. The lines are too blurred. Uh, I've, I've done talking about the show. I want to talk about more happy stuff. Ish. Yes. Uh, yes. Y- you mentioned it. Um, and I, and I, and I got to ask, I already know the answer, but I got to ask how is married life ish. How's married married. Life? Married life is good. Married life it is, is great. Good, it's good, isn't it? It's, it's great. It is fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you uh, you you inspire me. John inspires me, and it's just one of those things now that I'm happy that I've done it, and it's a great time. And you know, sometimes men and women don't always get along, but overall, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> that is awesome. And yes. here's the other thing: you've got a you've got a spouse that actually like loves to fish i've seen a lot of your posts on social media yeah she she is all about the saltwater and the saltwater boat is hers and not mine anymore and she uh not this year's trip or last year's trip but the year before trip she caught a 275 yellowfin which is one of the biggest yellowfin and stuff so it's it's pretty awesome that she loves the fish and she's the manager of fisherman's warehouse and you know it's kind of how we met and things are really good that's awesome oh i was i'm always kind of envious of spouses that like love to love the fish like becky likes the fish and we get the fish together once a while but like after about six hours on the boat she's kind of like cool peace i'm good you know what i mean where's where's the gucci store where's the gucci outlet (laughs) yeah i'm ready to go to gucci outlet but uh always kind of envious of that Have, have i wonder if this conversation's come up since since you've been married have you guys ever considered like even for a minute have you guys ever considered relocating now and before you answer this you know if you're watching or listening a lot of your favorite west coast anglers over the years have relocated right you know you the list goes on and on of guys justin lucas aaron martins you know just a lot of guys that went east but have have you guys ever considered that we have not considered relocating because we love saltwater fishing too much. I mean, it's to to take her bass fishing is pretty much like, all right, honey, let me twist your arm a little bit to take you 
bass fishing. But if I say let's go halibut fishing or tuna fishing or link cod fishing with swim baits, I mean, which you've done too, it, it, it's why why would you go bass fishing when you can go do that? I totally listen. I you don't have to you don't have to convince me of that. I totally yeah. get that. I totally yeah. get that. But here's the thing: we've got. I don't think we have the maybe not the quality and depth of species that you guys have, but we have decent saltwater fishing on the East coast. It's okay. Yeah. But you yeah. have, but you have, you have snow where you live and <laughs> ice and you know, my Husky would love that because she's made for that. But the rest of us, yeah, we're, we, we like the warmer weather, the warm temperatures, you know, shorts and flip flops pretty much, you know, there was a top water bite going on on the lakes in December. Oh, of this man. year because the weather was still so good you know water temperature 58 59 degrees and they're eating top water and and so relocating is really hard you know california isn't the greatest state to live in and there's a lot of drama and controversy here but when you take away that stuff and you look at the, the the finer things is you know we've got friends in san diego we can go tuna fishing with pretty much anytime we want we can go hop into the bay and go catch halibut and link cod pretty much anytime we want and then we have some of the best bass lakes you know in the country clear lakes a phenomenal lake shasta oroville new maloney's don pedro they all have world records in them and so it's like it's really hard to leave that yeah. to go to another state is you know i i looked at places like gunnersville back in the day but do you really want to go fish against 700 boats on a weekday and 2,000 boats on a weekend i oh, can yeah. go to clear every lake day. On a, every day every day, <laughs> every day i can go to clear lake in april when the bite is on fire and they're catching 30 pound bags and see 10 boats on the lake the whole day wow. that's crazy yeah you it's know? i I, I agree with everything you said. And I think um, I actually think it's a shame that the bigger tours don't consider going back there. Like it's been years ish. It's cost. It's cost. It, I know, know we, cost, we still have but five it, something a yeah. gallon in gas and, you yeah. know, the hotels and then the states are not looking at, oh, well, let's let's pay these organizations to come out because they're going to benefit us in the long run. They're looking at, oh, well, they're going to expose um the rules and regulations and you know, we need, we need to just not have them out here. Right. Right. I think it's a shame. Cause I, I, I love, the, I love the fishing out there. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I, I don't think I've ever, I didn't have this in my notes, but I did. I wanted to bring it up because it, as you were talking about those different fisheries, I was reminiscing on the experiences that we've had in oh. California. <laughs> fishing together. And, no, listen, We've had some good ones, dude. I've had a yeah. chance to share the boat with you out there. We've fished, you know, swim bait lakes to finesse yeah. lakes uh -huh. uh, uh, to the California Delta. And mm -hmm. uh, something really crazy, scary, unique, uh, bizarre happened on a trip with you when we were we, – I was at – let me, let me pre, back up. You talk about the pre-practice. Pre-practice. Let, let me back up, and then I'm going to throw it to you because I think it might be better coming from you. So this is back when uh, the the tour, the elites, or what it might not have been the, the elites back then. Long time ago, the elites maybe a long time ago. Many, long many time moons. ago, we were we knew we were coming to the Delta, and so before it cut off, and this was this was back in the day, so there weren't. As many rules as in place, but back in the day, right. you you said, "Man, you've never been to the Delta." You said, "Come out, come out," and I said, "I'm not." And I remember you saying, "Like I don't have my boat. I sold my boat already, but I'll borrow my dad's boat, and I'll just we won't even fish. I'll just run you around so you get an idea of the layout." And I'm like, "Hell yeah!" I'm like, "Yeah, I get to come out. I'll hang out with Ish for a few days, just chilling. He'll ride. We'll ride around for a day. I'll get the layout, and it'll be great." And so. It was great and got to hang out yeah. and we did this trip and we looked all around. Dude, you showed me the entire layout of Delta. <laughs> and we were, and this is, I think, December, right? It's probably yes. November, December. It was, it was cold. It, it was cold. And we were coming back and then I'll give it to you. And I was driving the boat. Uh, you were driving the boat. And I just remember hitting a little bump and I look <laughs> over in the driver's seat and you're nowhere to be found. 
gone. And gone. Like he's just he's in the he's in the lake. I look back and there's Mike waving his hands. He's in the lake. Blown out of the boat. <laughs> yes. But we also also almost got killed on that trip by Becky because the second day when we didn't go fishing, we told her that you fell out of the boat again. She was so bad. She wanted to kill us. Oh, yeah. She wanted to kill us. Like, yeah, I will kill all of you. I remember her saying that. Dude, so that was, was just the good that, old times. That was a crazy experience. That was the one and only time. Let me knock on wood. This this whole thing's made of wood. Yeah. Uh, I hope I never get ejected out of the boat again. Yeah. Because yeah. And it, but it wasn't even like it was a big bump or anything. It Dude, was like boom, boom. It was like a we floater. just bumped some hyacinth or something. Yeah, it was a floater, and I just kind of went to avoid it. And the the foot of the outboard impacted that floater. Right. And it, just that shift just was enough to put me out, you know? Well, I mean, you weigh buckle five, Mike, so. Well, back then I did. I don't now. <laughs> yeah. Back then I did. And, and yeah. let me tell you, if you're watching or listening, I, we weren't even going super fast. We're probably going 40, 40, 50 miles. Not even, hour. yeah. Maybe not even. Maybe let's call it 40 miles an hour. Water hurts at 40 miles an hour. Let me tell you. It really. Yeah. Do you remember it blew my shoes off? We couldn't find my yes, sneakers. Yes. You pulled, me out of, you pulled me out of the river and we couldn't find my sneakers. Yeah. That was hilarious. Good that old. The good, the good times. The good old days. All right. I, I've got just a couple more things, Ish. Um, right. This one I have to ask because every time I post something or every time it comes up, you know, Ish is coming on the show. Ish is going to be on iClive. Ish is coming on. There's one comment that oh, always God. comes up. That always, always comes up. And oh, here we it's go. It's funny to me. So I want to address it. And at, I, at this point now, I call it the great frog debate. And, and okay. it's... And it's basically in my mind, I know the answer to it because I think it's you, but who is the best frog fisherman? And and you well, know, let, let me say that you've got, you know, Cliff Cochet with his hand up, you've got Dean Rojas with his hand up, you've got Jason Christie now. Jason Christie with his hand up waving it. Talk about the great frog debate. Because I, th I I think it's you. I think you're the best. I, but. Honestly, I believe it's me because I, I tell Dean all the time that I've won more than him with a frog, like winning. He's cashed more checks than I have, but he, I've won more tournaments with the frog than he has. With Cliff the frog. has never – with the frog. Cliff right. has never won. Uh, Christy still has the biggest bass I've ever seen on a frog on television, which was that 10 pounder giant. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take me, uh, just because I won the most and I've got a rod with my name on it. That's frog. I got a bait with my name on it, you know, and, and it is what I, it is what it is. I'm the best. Hell yeah. I would agree with that. Listen, yeah. I, I, I'm biased because a lot of, the frog fishing that I know, I didn't learn on Bash University or right. watch the video. I I got to fish with you and watch you. So yeah. I, 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 I'm going to give it to you on that one. Um, speaking of good frog fishermen, though, this was – I, I want to get your thoughts on this. This was, this just came out, like literally, I want to say, less than a week ago. Um, announcement was made for the 2024 Bass Fishing Hall of Fame nominees – and I think there's eight or ten guys that were nominated. And then, of course, there's a selection process now that'll happen. But I wanted to throw these three names at you. And I, okay. I thought I, I thought I thought it was I think it's really cool. These names, the, these particular three names, they're all great. Right. Listen, if you get nominated, you deserve to be there. Right. But right. Um, two of the guys on that list ish West Coast guys, Skeet Reese, Don Avino on that list. Pretty incredible. Okay. I, I think it's awesome. And then, you know, speaking of frog fishermen, one of the earliest guys I remember, Alfred Williams on the yes. list for for Hall of Fame. Talk, yes. Talk, talk about that. What what is what do some of those names mean to you? What are the West yeah, well, Coast? Alfred, names? Alfred, Alfred definitely, you know, I you know me, I don't ever get into the whole kind of what I call the racial side of things right. when it comes to fishing. But he was the 
first African-American that you saw on Bassmasters uh, besides Pooley. And, right. but he was fishing and, yep. you know, Alfred was fishing and Alfred made the Bassmaster classic. You know, he, he's kind of, he didn't do the Federation, which you know how hard that is. Dude, the hardest. You know? Yeah. People think, people think that the Federation, oh, you qualify through the Federation. No, the Federation is way harder than the elites. Federation is way harder than the opens. The Federation is the hardest way to actually qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I tried, I never did it. You know, you've done it. Polonik's done it and, and, and a handful of others, but you know, Alfred definitely deserves to be in that hall of fame. I mean, he's the guy who took frog fishing to the next level and was fishing it on tour. Dude, it, it, it's amazing because I remember like my first memories as a fan of the sport were Alfred Williams and Dusty Pine fishing yes. frogs. Like, it, and I remember like reading or or watching TNN or whatever and seeing yes. these guys do it. And dude, my eyes were so yes. big because like I, I, I was unbelievable. I was unbelievably blown away because I remember like seeing uh, you know, back in the day in on the East Coast ish, we had a couple sporting goods stores and, you know, like uh, a couple big box stores. Like the one was called Best. Of course, Kmart had fishing stuff back then. And I remember seeing like snag proof frogs. And I remember looking at them like laughing, like, ha, I ain't never going to catch a fish. And then I'm watching these guys and watching Alfred Williams or, or Dusty catch these fish. Dude, I'm blown away, dude. Yeah. This is like in the eight. This is like the early 80s. I'm just blown away. You know, and and then looking at the other two on the list, Skeet Reese, Skeet once again won the classic, won Angler of the Year, and he was the one guy that pushed Kevin to his limits. Right, you know, Kevin yeah, mul multiple K times, multiple times. multiple times, yeah. Kevin and Skeet, Kevin and Skeet, Kevin and Skeet, and you know, we we make jokes and call Skeet Captain America because he had the blonde spiked hair and the whole nine, and he was flashy, <laughs> but. It, 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 he definitely deserves to be on there because Skeet, like I said, he's he's probably, I would say, third in total all, overall winnings because Kevin being first, Dudley being second, and I think Skeet's third on that list. Yep. And and, right. and and so you know, anytime you're in the top five of all time money winnings on anywhere, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and then and then Don Ivino was the innovator of finesse fishing. He took the doodle shake slide to the next level. The dude probably forgotten more about Lawrence electronics than most of us know, right? And so he definitely deserves. I mean, he's the sonar guru guy who's you know he's won multiple tournaments out here on the West Coast, and they're lucky that he didn't take his skills back east. Right, right. It, it it's amazing. Like Don, I remember. This, this is definitely going to uh, uh, date me-ish, but I remember going to a Bash University seminar in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania when I was like, Chama, I'm not kidding. I was like 20, maybe, maybe, maybe like 20, 19, 20. And Don was one of the speakers one of the days. And dude, I was like, he had a way about him of teaching that was really good, but He's talking about little four inch worms and brass and glass spinning yes. rod with four pound monofilament and this and that. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Well, you got to realize back then four pound monofilament, four pound maxima was like six or eight pound everything else. Right, right. And so that's what those guys were using. But Don was, let me tell you something, son. Let me tell you something, kid. I got something for you. <laughs> the doodle shaking slide i've been doing that before you when you were in diapers <laughs> how many how many bags of brass and glass did he sell back then a, a million, million. <laughs> a million i still have brass and glass because of that man right there you know Green i have ivino worms oh glass. yeah yeah ivino worms you know yeah. the splash it you know rick, rick Klon had the rico and don ivino had the splash it yeah, that's crazy, man. The the good old days, and and I, I did want to mention this with with those two guys, which I think is important. Um, is that these are like West Coast guys, right? These are like these aren't like West Coast guys that spent 
five years of their life in the West Coast and then live somewhere else the rest yeah. of their life. These are actual West Coast True dudes, West Coast guys, yeah. Heart and soul. Dude, that I like that. And that's got to feel yeah. good just for you being a West Coast guy because, and I've said this on this show before, dude, I always felt like guys in the Northeast, guys on the West Coast, different but the same. And I've always yes. felt like we've always got the shaft because yes. like we're, we're disqualified because yes. oh he's a California guy or he's a jerk. Yeah. Like they don't Jersey count. Right. right. And, <laughs> and I, do you feel like that? Do you feel like this is like yes. a little uh, vindication of, I mean, you know, you're, the you're from Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, Mississippi, Georgia, you are part of the, the crew, but yeah, you're from the West coast or you're from freaking Northeast. Yeah. You're not a part of the crew. <laughs> you're the, you're the anti Anti-crew. Different. Anti-crew. Anti-crew. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. You know what? Well, those... Everybody's wearing Adidas. You were wearing kicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. I always wondered that, Ish, because like we've we had, even though we grew up in different parts of the country, we had very similar backgrounds growing up, yeah. you know, from from a family perspective, a life perspective, music, yeah. all that stuff. How many like anglers out there do you think are true hip hop heads and hardcore bass heads at the same time? You think it's in the uh, thousands? You think it's no. in the millions? You think it's like 60? <laughs> I think it's like, honestly, there's only, I think it's a few hundred. I mean, there's, there's what I call the pretenders who listen to a lot of just the mainstream hip hop. But yeah. you know, we go back in the day listening to the hardcore, hardcore b-boy music. You know, it was all about the break dancing, and and guys about it now just seem like they're into the the Drake and the two chains and all the stuff that's you know kind of what I call mainstream. But yeah. they know they know nothing about the old days of the Beastie Boys, and you know, Beasties were somewhat mainstream, but really not. Right. Those dudes were just, they were, they were different. They were special. And that's why they were accepted. Yeah. I, you know? I think it's, I think it's awesome ish that like you still do it to this day. And like, it's been going on for like 15 years. Like every once in a while out of the blue, I'll get a text from you and it's a break. <laughs> it's a breaking <laughs> video of like these dudes breaking in 2024 right. that are doing shit. That's unbelievable. Yeah, like, like, like there's no, like yeah, you like how they, they, they're gonna they're gonna actually break something of their own <laughs> with the stuff that they do. Yeah, that's no, incredible. These... I love. Don't stop sending those videos. By the way, I oh. love getting those videos. And here's the other thing: this was hard for me to swallow. Not that I was there from the movement from the very beginning, but uh, in 2023, hip hop turned 50. As a culture, as a, as a right. as a music movement, it was 50 years old in 2023. Dude, if that doesn't make you feel old, <laughs> yeah, but but that's you know. So I I was kind of, you know, I, I keep they keep talking about that, but honestly, I think that's when they just wanted to claim it because I've been listening to a lot of James Brown, and dude you hear so many styles right. of rappers that they basically James Brown, they, they took it from James and right. he was back in the 50s, 60s, you know? And so you can say that hip hop's a lot older than that when he calls himself the original rapper. Right. Right. You know, and, 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 and I just, I just, that's why I said hip hop's a lot older than we, what we really think is just, it became mainstream according to them 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, Ish, I got one more thing to say. I'm going to let you okay. go. I appreciate you coming on. And, and it relates to the hall of fame. Um, one of the qualifications that you have to have to get in that thing is you have to be uh, 50 years old or older to get in, to get nominated and to get into the hall of fame. And I'm, I'm going to say it right now on the show. I'm going to make a prediction right now that when you turn 50, the very next eligible year after you turn 50, you will be nominated for the Hall of Fame. I I don't I don't I don't think I'm ready. I don't I don't honestly I still I, I know. Need some, 
I know it's going to happen. I am telling you, it's going to happen. I want to. I want some more accolades. I want that classic <laughs> trophy. I want the AOI trophy before you want more? I even. I want more. You know, then you can give me the Hall of Fame because Hall of Fame to me sounds like retirement. I don't want to sound like it's retirement. You know? I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. It does. It almost feels like a death sentence. You know, and yeah. and uh, when when it comes to like not doing anything else in the sport, right? Because you know, oh, you've accomplished all this great stuff. Oh, you, we're done with you now. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not done. Oh, right? I got, I got more. <laughs> I want to keep winning. I want to keep doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you will get in though eventually. And and I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you, not just as a friend. Yeah. I'm telling you, you've done a lot for the sport. And you will. Well, get let in. me win. Let me win the classic first, then I'll then I'll take it. All right. Well, that's a deal. So, uh, Ish, thanks for coming on. And and no problem. Anytime. And, and great luck in the EQs. I hope you thanks. make it back. I would love to get a chance to room with you again before my Hell. career's over. So, uh, I me, I, you and I, Johnny Cruz getting the old getting the old crew back. The old crew <laughs> back. Yeah. I said I said that I said that in front of like John's roommates now, and they looked at me like, "Wait, wait, wait! What are you you breaking up our gang?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> the minute Ish Ish qualifies, Johnny's gone. You got your all. Johnny's gone. Out. <laughs> cool. It, it was so good catching up with you. I appreciate yeah. it. Joe. and and good luck the rest of the season. Just keep doing all what right. you're doing. Steady, steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. I appreciate you too. Good luck out there. All right, Ish, we'll see you. All right, later. There you have it, everybody. Ish Monroe. Always awesome having Ish on this podcast. I would tell you that Ish is probably right up there with the guy or the, the person we've had on the show the most. I'd have to go back. I'd have to go back and consult Becky and Brian the Carpenter, but I would say Ish is probably 10 maybe over 10 times on Ike Live over the years. And that's that's pretty stout. So uh, not just a friend of mine, but a great fisherman, a hard worker, great business guy, just an all-around good dude. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Let me remind you, you are watching Ike Live 2.0. This is the up-close and personal version of the podcast. And uh, I hope you're liking what you're listening to and, and watching. If you've got questions or comments, Leave them down below. Uh, you're going to see a section for comments. Please, ideas, uh, guest ideas, questions, leave them below. We want to hear from you for sure. Uh, big shout out to the supporters of the show. Uh, of course, the Ike Foundation. If you want to help get kids fishing, if you have kids in your area and you want to learn more about how you could get those kids fishing, head on over to the ikefoundation.org. Also, uh, Abu Garcia, man, they make some amazing rods and reels you know from bank fishing and cities all the way to hardcore tournament angling abu has a has a rod and reel for you head over to abugarcia.com and then last but not least they're going to have a great guest on next show uh keep your ears and eyes out for andy morgan joining us uh on the next program and can't wait to have andy on to catch up with him um i hope you guys enjoyed it i know i did uh, we're going to see you on the next show. Have a good one. Bye. Do you fish for excitement? <laughs> Do you fish for passion? <laughs> Do you fish to get outside? <laughs> or do you fish to win? Abu Garcia for life. You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes, but they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rod and reel. 
And that really, that became our focus, you yeah. know, is to target kids in what we call non-traditional areas, yeah. you know, urban areas, city centers, where the population's high. And, and let these kids have the experience. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of the experiences we've had, whether it's Central Park in New York City, here in Camden, other parts of the country, even just casting. Yeah. It's unbelievable to see it, isn't it? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you see these kids have this experience they've never had, and they light up, you know? The big thing, I think, for the Ike Foundation is we're not, we're not saying we want all these kids to become professional anglers. Yeah. It'd be great if some of them did, but we want them to have that fishing experience because it ties them to so, mu so many other positive things. The outdoors, nature, conservation, conservation. Uh, ecology, um, you know, all these amazing things in life that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to any other way, we're trying to help with that. So it's, it's important, it's important for us. Yeah. We're proud of it. I subscribe to Bass UTV, and so should you. Great place to learn about anything you want to know about bass fishing. You get it at Bass U. We got the best of the best. I'm not just an instructor, I'm a subscriber. I'm John Cruz, and I am a subscriber. You can always learn, and uh, watching Bass U is definitely helps with that. It's something that I like to do, and it's definitely something that you need to do. If I'm still learning, you should be too. Subscribe to Bass U, because you'll learn how to catch a lot more fish. Ike Live, brought to you exclusively by Abu Garcia.